The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Before we wrapped up our investigation, we asked the spirit if it had any more messages for us. And what she said was heartbreaking. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I want to thank Carl Johnson and Elise Giamarco Carlson for having me on their YouTube show, Paranormal Perspectives, on the Dead Air Full Spectrum Network. We chatted for over an hour just a couple of weeks ago, and we had lots of fun talking about paranormal stuff. So check it out on YouTube or on my website in the media section at myparanormalstory.com. I also want to thank everyone for their emails especially the one I got from Tonika Price about my last episode regarding Zach Bagans. I guess I've been pronouncing his name wrong, which doesn't surprise me. I'm pretty bad with names, but it wasn't out of disrespect to Zach. I've heard his last name said in many different ways. So I do stand corrected. It's Zach Bagans, not Baggins. Also keep in mind, I'm from New England and even with my communications and broadcasting experience, I still have some weird ways of pronouncing things. So, my apologies to Zach. And remember, if you want to email me about anything, past episodes, questions about the paranormal, or if you want to tell me your paranormal story, I always reply, eventually. You can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Okay, now, here's my latest episode. In a matter of speaking, I've been a paranormal investigator most of my life. From my early teens right up to adulthood, I've always had an overwhelming curiosity to explore the unknown, in one way or another. Even when I'm not actively searching for it, somehow, the paranormal always seems to find me. And last year, for the first time in several years, I found myself once again in the dark, investigating haunted locations again. And boy, did I miss it. I had no intentions of returning to paranormal investigation. I've been quite content with consulting people and telling my stories. But it found me again, in a way that I wasn't expecting, through my comedy. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've heard me talk about how my career is actually as a stand-up comedian. I've been performing comedy around the New England area for over a decade now. And I know it's weird to you that the guy who's telling you spooky stories on this podcast actually tells jokes on stages for a living. 
And it's weird for me too sometimes, especially when both of my worlds come together. Now back in the fall of 2021, my good friend and fellow comedian, Bill Simus, was performing at an old restaurant in Rhode Island. It was the type of place that looked to him might be haunted. And when he was chatting with the manager, he brought the topic up and she had many stories to share with him. Little did he know, the restaurant he was performing in is one of the most famously haunted locations in the state. It's called the Carriage Inn. Now it's gone by many names over the years and has had many stories and legends associated with it. So much so that it was featured on an episode of Ghost Hunters back in season four. And Bill asked the manager if she'd be open to having paranormal investigators come in and look around. She ran it by the owner and the next thing I knew, I was in a group chat setting up a date to investigate. Now it had been a while since I went on an investigation and of course I was gonna need some help. So I reached out to my friend Ken DaCosta from Rise Up Paranormal. The gang, the friends, the family that I used to investigate with all the time. It felt like a reunion, getting to hang out with my old paranormal family again. And also, I brought Bill along too, because he's a big fan of the paranormal TV shows, and he's always wanted to go on a real-life investigation. So what better one than this? I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I loved growing up in Rhode Island. It's a small state, but it has so much history. And the Carriage Inn was at the center of a lot of it. The oldest section of this restaurant was built in 1760. That's over 250 years ago, during some of the earliest days of our brand new country. Now, obviously, over the years the restaurant has changed a bit, with many renovations and expansions, but for the most part, the restaurant has been standing at its location on Route 1 in North Kingstown, Rhode Island for a very long time. And it's likely seen a large share of historic people passing through. In the 17 and 1800s, most people traveled by stagecoach or horse and buggy, especially important people. And it would take several days to go from one city to another. There were very few roads all of them were made of dirt and mud. And Route 1, as it's called today, was basically the main road you would take if you were going from New York City to Boston. It was typically a four or five day journey that would take you through several different cities and states, New Haven, Connecticut, New London, Connecticut, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and eventually north to Boston. But along the way, you would pass right by the Carriage Inn. It was in the perfect spot, a halfway stop for travelers to get some sleep, get some food, take a bath, purchase supplies. There was plenty of room for the carriages and even a barn for the horses. Plus, there was a bar, tables, chairs, and even a bordello at one time. With the carriage inn being such a prominent stop along the Northeast Passage through New England, it's likely that many historic people passed through this inn. There are even rumors of George Washington himself visiting the property. 
And who knows who else from our history books may have walked through those doors. Unfortunately, there is no documented evidence that I could find of any prominent visitors. I was hoping there would be some old sign-in logs or ledgers, but unfortunately, we can only speculate. But it does stand to reason that such a long journey with so few inns along the way that many prominent people would have stayed there. It's also quite likely that there may have been some tragedies in the building too. Now, as I said, over the years, the building has taken on many different forms. And as different owners came and went, so did their visions of what the business should look like. Currently, the large restaurant has several rooms. The barn, which had to be rebuilt long ago because of a fire, is now a banquet room with tables and chairs that holds about 100 people. That's where we have those dinner comedy shows. There's a huge restaurant on the other side of the building, along with a modern kitchen and a long bar. But in the middle of all of this, you'll find the old whiskey bar, which is mostly still original from the 1700s. The stone walls and fireplaces are still there and still being used today. The outside of the building still has an old carriage house appearance with windows on the second floor that display some antique carriages. It's a pretty popular restaurant today. The locals pack it most weekends and holidays. And yes, I'm actually booked to perform some comedy there later this year. The investigation took place on a bitterly cold Tuesday night in January, the one night of the week that the restaurant is usually closed. So we had the whole place to ourselves. The manager, Carissa, met us at the door and we all filed in with our equipment ready to go. And I was excited. I had spent the day literally cleaning the dust off of my equipment box and putting fresh batteries into all my gadgets. And I was also excited to have my friends Satori Hawes and Cody Ray Desbian, the paranormal couple from the TAPS home team joining us. I've mentioned them on this podcast a couple of times in the past, and you should recognize them from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation. Or maybe you've seen them at paranormal conventions around the country. They're both excellent investigators, and they have a rather unique way of communicating with spirits, something you'll be able to hear on this episode. Now, during my chats with Carissa leading up to the investigation, she told me many stories about the experiences she and other employees, past and present, have had at the restaurant. Even the current owner has had his share of experiences. I'm told he keeps a picture on his cell phone of a shadow he encountered one night. Some of Carissa's personal experiences were a bit spooky too. Some of them were typical, like being alone in a room and feeling like someone's watching you or hearing footsteps in the hallway or on the ceiling above you. But she told me one creepy story about an encounter she had in the business office up in the attic. She was sitting at her computer working when suddenly something pushed her purse off the desk right in front of her. She said she often finds things pushed off the desk and onto the floor, but this was the first time she'd ever witnessed it. She told me of some other experiences that her co-workers have had as well, many of them being touched. There was a time that a waitress 
heard a woman's voice whispering behind her and then suddenly felt somebody playfully slap her on the butt. But no one was there. There's also been several reports from bartenders, especially females, who feel themselves being touched around their waist while they're working behind the bar, as if someone is trying to get by behind them. But when they turn around, no one's there. Most of the employees are afraid to be alone in the restaurant, especially in the basement or up in the attic. And as I spent some time in those places, I could see why. We all started off as a group, investigating the large storage area in the attic above the barn area. This wasn't an original 1700s section of the building. In fact, in the attic you could tell that it had been attached to the original building because it was much taller and you could still see some of the old roofing and walls from the original building. Very old-fashioned hand-cut wood with shingling on one side that was now no longer exposed to the elements. The rest of the room had lots of wooden shelves and many boxes filled with supplies. Restaurant stuff, like table linens, glassware, other things like that. And against one of the walls, there were some decorations being stored for all the different holidays and seasons. But one part of the room was strangely filled with toys. Bags and boxes filled with toys. A few bicycles too, all brand new. We came to find out that every year, the restaurant does a Christmas toy drive. And these were some of the toys that still hadn't been delivered. But this particular toy drive was a special one. One being that it was the first toy drive they could do for a couple of years because of the pandemic. And second, because the restaurant owner's mother, who had just recently passed away, she was the one that was usually in charge of the toy drive. It was her passion. So for these reasons, more people than usual came out to support the restaurant and the toy drive. As we all stood around in the room with our audio and video cameras going, Cody and Satori stood in the middle of the room to do what they do best. If you haven't seen them on Ghost Hunters or heard me describe it on a past episode, let me explain it to you. But I gotta be honest, I'm not even really sure what's going on. Satori and Cody have this way of communicating with spirits through knocks. The two will face each other, hold hands, and ask the spirits to make a knocking sound in response to their questions. Oftentimes they will rifle through letters of the alphabet and ask the spirit to knock when they say the correct letter, spelling out responses to simple questions. And they're also able to get yes or no answers to the questions and even words or sentences from the spirits. It's quite amazing. I'm, I really don't know how they do it, but I've seen them do it a bunch of times and it always blows me away. I can never really tell where their knocks are coming from. They're all over the place, but they're there and they reveal things that I can't explain. So. They were standing there in the middle of the room and they asked if anyone was with us and there was a knock, a knock for a yes. 
After a few questions and responses back and forth, they asked the spirit to spell out their name. So Satori went through the alphabet, and the spirit would knock on each letter to spell out their name. And we quickly learned we were talking to a woman named Lorraine. Lorraine went on to tell us that she used to work at the restaurant, just recently in fact, from around 2010 to 2018. No one who was with us was familiar with Lorraine, so Ken quickly began looking up obituaries on his phone as Satori and Cody tried to find out what Lorraine's last name was. Here's audio of Lorraine spelling out her last name and Ken confirming it on his cell phone. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, P, A, B, A, A, B, C, D, D. Do you have something? We spent about an hour in the attic, and there were quite a few conversations with many different spirits who wanted to communicate. It actually got a little bit confusing, not knowing who we were talking to at times. We think we were speaking to a little boy for a couple of minutes, and then at another point we spoke to an old bartender named John, who seemed grumpy. Satori and Cody were starting to get a little drained, so we all went back downstairs and took a short break. Then we decided to split up into groups. Bill and I went upstairs to the main office to see what we could find, and Ken, Cody, Satori, and a few others stayed downstairs in the old whiskey bar where they had some interesting things happen. At one point, Ken was standing behind the bar doing an EVP session. In case you're new, EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. That's when investigators ask questions hoping that a spirit will answer on the audio and video recorders. And during the EVP session, Ken was asking many different questions, hoping maybe to make contact with an old employee or a bartender. And during the audio review, we were able to find this little clip. Give it a listen. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to figure out a way that you and I can talk. Here it is again with the strange voice amplified. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to figure out a way that you and I can talk. I'm honestly not sure what it says or who it is. It sounds like a male voice to me. I don't know. But as Ken and the others wrapped up that EVP session and headed into the restaurant, one of the video cameras that was still recording in the bar area caught something interesting about five or ten minutes later. There was no audio, so I can't play the sound for you. But it was something that we saw on the video so I'll have to describe it to you. With no one in the room at the time, it looks as if someone walked past the bar 
on the other side of the room. There's distinct movement going from the right to the left, and we're not sure what it was. And I'm going to put that clip in the blog section of my website if you want to take a look at it later. During the time that Ken and the others were doing the EVP session in the whiskey bar, Bill and I had made ourselves comfortable upstairs in the main office. After a slow walk up the rickety old spiral staircase, we entered the dark, narrow hallway and turned through the doorway into the office. It's a long office with slanted ceilings. It's in the attic, so it's right up top, and it's in the oldest part of the building. There were several desks up against the walls, some of them with computers and monitors, and most of them were on, flashing and humming a little. You'll hear them in the background. And I knew I was going to have to keep those background sounds in mind while reviewing my audio. I also knew that our EMF detectors weren't going to be accurate either. So the best we could do was to hope for some sort of a voice or a sound, if anything was going to communicate with us at all. I sat down at what looked to be the main desk in the room, and Bill went down to the far end of the office and sat at a desk in a dark corner. The longer I sat there, the more I understood why most workers don't like being up there alone. The room felt very dark and off-putting. If Bill hadn't been there with me, I definitely would have thought someone was watching me. Sometimes you can just feel the energy in a room. So I felt like we were certainly going to get some responses. We sat there for a good 35 minutes, but for the most part, the EVP session was starting to feel like a failure. But then I asked the spirit to acknowledge us by simply knocking. Just knock twice to let us know you're here with us. And to my shock, it happened. And Bill and I both heard the knocks. And I was able to pick them up on my audio recorder as well. So here's the audio of me asking for the knocks and the response. I amplified the sound so that you can hear it better. Here it is. Can you do that again? A little louder. There it is again. Thank you. After we took turns investigating other sections of the restaurant with not a lot to show for it, we all decided to gather in the banquet room, the old barn. And Satori and Cody stood in the middle of the room again, holding hands, and did what they do. Despite all of us being in there, the room felt dead silent. It was mostly dark, and while we all fumbled around with our recorders and video cameras, we listened intently as Satori and Cody asked if anyone was there and if they'd come into the room with us. And sure enough, I could hear knocks on the floor coming from the other side of the room. Not footsteps, just short little taps, quickly getting closer and closer until it sounded like they were directly under Satori and Cody's feet. They asked the spirit to spell out their name, and as they went through the letters of the alphabet, we found out we were talking to someone new, someone we hadn't talked to yet, but someone 
that was about to blow us away. Satori and Cody asked the spirit to spell out their name, and as they went through the alphabet, the spirit slowly spelled out the name Audrey. And as soon as she heard the name, I could see the manager, Carissa, tearing up a bit. Audrey is the mother of the owner who recently passed away. Once we confirmed it was her, she began tapping as if she had something she wanted to say. So Satori and Cody asked Audrey to spell out her message word for word. And I'm going to play that audio for you. You're going to hear Satori and Cody going through the alphabet. And if you listen closely, you'll also hear the knocks confirming each letter and word. Here it is. names you hear Audrey spelling out were the names of her grandchildren. Everyone in the room had tears in their eyes. And those final words spelled out by Audrey at the end of our investigation will stick with me for a long time. Tell them I love them. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com.
You can learn more about Cody Desbian and Satori Hawes on their website, theparanormalcouple.com. You can also visit Rise Up Paranormal at riseupparanormal.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can visit my website at myparanormalstory.com. Just click on the donate button. Or if you want, I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Please help my podcast grow by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends on social media. And feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and would like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.